podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. everyone and welcome along to your Monday edition of the TII podcast. We've got a full house tonight as we look back a little bit on yesterday's Scottish Cup semi-final defeat to Celtic and look ahead to what that defeat and the performance might mean for a lot of people in the squad and especially the manager. Here to talk with me through it all, we've got Kai Watson. How are you doing, Kai? Better than this time yesterday, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not, I, hard to say better than this time yesterday. I think I'm slowly getting getting over it, but um, it's still a, it's still a sore one to take with the manner of the defeat. Um, Craig, all the way from Texas, how are you? I'm well, Craig. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've just about calmed down from yesterday, so good to go, kind of. Kind of. Excellent. I think that's probably where we all stand. And we've got Reese as well, who was, who was working at yesterday's game. I, I heard you enjoyed that one. I um I think my tongue's lost about three centimetres for biting it that much. Um, I every second Celtic fan that walked by me was like, ah, he's no one else. I look at him, he's raging. Aye, they could not tell. Aye, um, you don't have the best poker face in the world, Reese. I think it's, I think it's fair to say we won't dwell too much on on yesterday's game, but just an overall, we, we've kind of all spoken about how the day after we're kind of getting there with moving moving beyond it and starting to look forward. Kai, I'm going to come to you first of all. Twenty-four hours on, what are your what are your thoughts on yesterday's game? I'm still just as frustrated as I was yesterday. Like again, I think we we're probably the best team on the pitch. But as soon as the ball got forward, there was absolutely nothing going. Like there was just no movement, no kind of end product whatsoever. Thought I might have got a bit better with Sakala coming on. Somehow get even more frustrating. I actually feel sorry for, especially in the midfield yesterday, thought they put in a really good shift. Thought they all performed pretty well. Thought it was the best lunch we'd been in a while. Thought Cantwell again was excellent, but just frustrating that the further up the pitch the ball goes, we just seem to have absolutely nothing. Yeah, Craig, Kai mentions the midfield there. I did feel that, that um, sort of Lundstrom, Cantwell and Raskin were the were the positives that came out of, of that game yesterday, especially John Lundstrom, actually, who... We really needed a performance from, and I think we were all talking about that in the build-up to the game as to how much he needed to he needed to step up because he's he's not been at it this season. I felt he did yesterday in the midfield is perhaps the the only positive to come out of it. Yeah, I uh, completely agree with what Kai said. You know, I think Cantwell was probably the standout midfielder, wasn't he? But um, uh, Lundstrom did fine. I think he's done better. He's certainly done a lot worse. Um, Raskin did okay. I know he had a big moment uh, for the goal unfortunately but and I don't think he was fit you know I think he was taken off at Pataudry wasn't he and you know try to train to make the game so I'm not sure he was fit taken off as well yesterday so yeah midfield was a bit of highlight um sure we'll get to the rest as we go along here yeah we definitely will um Reese, I'm not sure how much of the game you actually saw because you you're obviously working there but have you managed to, managed to see it back and what were your what were your sort of reflections on it 
Yeah, I watched it back. I think it's just, again, we came close. They were there for the taking. And you almost want to see a fluke error, but um, I think it probably goes a wee bit deeper than that, but cost us overall. But very tight game. Um, I think we can maybe, rather than looking around and going, right, X, Y, and Z need to go, this is crap, this is rotten, whatever. There, there should be hope there that they're there for the taking, and they're certainly not as good as they're made out to be. Yeah, the issue with that, and I just want to pull up Curry Muncher's comment here because it's it's something that's thrown at Rangers fans a lot, especially after after the last year or so, where we felt that we've played better in a lot of the games, but we've we've not come out on top. He says, "Can't wait to pick up that we played better trophy." They didn't need to get a second gear; it was easy for them. I don't think we made it particularly easy for them. If I'm honest, Kai, I think we played, we set up well, and we played well. Um, for large parts of the game, it's the it's the key moments in both boxes. I think is where we let ourselves down. I think it's you see that you see the one moment where Raskin thinks that or half the team think that the referee is going to blow for a free kick. He doesn't play goes on, and we're just miles off it. We fall, the whole defence is falling asleep, and half the midfield as well. And then you look at the the other and the other boxes. Alfredo Morelos is non-existent for, for much of the game, if not all of the game that he was on. I was surprised they lasted as long as he did. Fashion Sakala has has his chance. Um that was um even it wasn't even worse miss than the one in the final a couple of months previously. Um and you just there's some some spots as well where we just weren't getting the luck in terms of Tavernier hitting the post that led up to that that chance. Um and I think Alfredo Morelos uh, forced a save from Joe Hart at close range as well. I think that it's the key moments in both boxes where we're consistently wasn't out in these games, isn't it? And that's where the frustration comes from. I think there was especially some good build-up play yesterday that defenders all comfortable in the ball, getting the ball into midfield. Like Especially that was the most I've probably seen once from drive forward in a while. And that was where he was excelling European games. He was getting the ball... He was driving forward, trying to create chances, and they're just specifically kind of towards Morelos and Kent. There was no no movement. There was no desire to get in behind. I put a message in the group chat yesterday. It was really unclear what the game plan was yesterday because at times there was long balls going up. And who's going to win those headers against Carter Vickers and Starfelt? And then there was balls going in behind, but there was no pace up there. It was just really confusing. I don't know what the game plan for that was. There was nothing through the middle. There was nothing over the top. So I think I was surprised it even took as long as half time to make a change because it's clear it wasn't working. And like you say, it's just mistakes at crucial times like that. It's unforgivable that all the players stop there. Like I do think it's a foul. I was quite surprised that it wasn't given, but you can't stop. You look at you look at it, Maeda's behind at least a couple of Rangers defenders and he still gets to the ball first, still gets a cross in and then still sleeping at the back post at such a an easy goal to avoid when you look at, especially when you look at obviously the style of music kind of goes around on Twitter, how many Rangers players are standing, you can't even see Maeda in it. Yeah, he's still the one that gets to the ball, still the ones that creates opportunity. And then I think the less said about the Sakala miss, the bear, it's 100% worse. Than the, I mean, the last one, as much as you'd expect most professional footballers to finish it, the angle's a lot tighter. The one yesterday, he's, he's running on to he's got time to see it, time to set himself, and he finds the exact same place as he did the last time. It's just frustrating that it is. It gets to either box and everything just breaks down. Same old story. 
Yeah, just to touch on the Fashion Sakao one before I, I come to you, Craig, with a, a slightly different take take on a question. Um, I think Fashion Sakawa falls into the category of if you're a striker that's paid to play professional football, you should be able to hit the target from six yards out. I don't understand how anyone who is who is paid to do do paid to do what they're they're what they're supposed to do and hit hit the back of the net at least hit shots on target can miss an open goal from 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 that distance and I will never understand and yeah I think that's I've been a big supporter of Fashion Sakawa but it's really hard to defend him when he does when he does stuff like that and it was he had a moment before then that was almost almost just as bad when he, he he went past a few people cut inside and then hit the corner flag with a shot I just don't it just makes no sense whatsoever so I think Fashion Sakawa and we'll come on to where um where we think that the squad refresh will will end up um next season but I think he's definitely one that's up for debate and he's not very popular amongst Rangers fans at all at the moment it's fair it's fair to say Craig um myself Ross and Ian spoke in the build-up uh in the preview about whether defeat would put significant pressure on Michael Beale I said in the preview that I didn't I didn't think it would um the reaction I guess suggests suggests differently um if you go by social media in particular how do you how do you feel about that do you think Michael Beale's under pressure now uh, if you asked me yesterday, I'd say yes. Um, today, like I said, I've kind of calmed down a wee bit, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. I think um, I think Michael Beal, you know, we've got one more old fun game, right? And uh, people say, oh, it's meaningless. And, you know, no old fun game's meaningless. I think it means most to Michael Beal because, you know, if he's staring at four old fun defeats and a draw, that, that stuff compounds. I think that's what Gio but Gio the sack in the Champions League and those heavy defeats or that constant feeling um, you know it does take a toll on your psyche and your mentality I don't care who you are um, so I think uh, you know I think Bill will be here regardless I think we've all I think we can all agree with that um, but um, if he does get beaten in the last old firm game I don't know what the number of fans will be calling for change in the manager's spot at that point but I'd imagine there'd be a few um, you know, I personally, I like Michael Beal. I think since he's come in, especially in these fixtures, ironically, since the results haven't went our way, but I think he takes a lot of anxiety out of the team. You know, he comes in as an outsider. He can focus on the football, focus on the game. And that's a plus point. I think tactically, he's just about got it right most of the time than not. I just don't think we have the quality in the team to execute. And uh, that ultimately was the case again yesterday, Craig. So... Anyway, we'll see. But the the last old firm game definitely a big one for Michael Beale. To your question, yeah, Reese, I've seen that quite a lot of people on Twitter. The difference that uh, basically that the last five games are are meaningless, and we should just play the young kids. And we'll come on to talk about who should play um, the last few games. But does it make a difference to Michael Beale? Do you think, in terms of if he can get if he can get that win? Against Celtic, probably. It maybe lays a marker down, but then again, you're, you're thinking back to seasons gone by where the league was already done and we beat them 2 0 at Ibrooks. Sure, Arfield got the goal in the second half. Um, but it does put a marker down. I think, other than that, you've got to just kind of rotate, test out players. For a start, I'd be dropping Sakala for Matondo. I think he's impressed when he came on, looked a bit more lively yesterday. And I think 
the old firm, I don't think you can ever throw it away. You can never say it's a rubber. So definitely it will play into, especially media narrative, towards the end of the season. So now I think we've got to go all out for that. Kai, Craig touched on the sort of performances we've had in the in the few couple old firms since uh, the four old firms, I guess, since Michael Beals came in. Just a couple of stats that I've seen bandied about today. So our XG over those four old firm games since Michael Beal came in was five has been five point one three, the Celtics four point nine two. Uh, we've scored five goals, so you would say average for about uh, for an XG of five point one three. They've scored eight goals. Um, into us from a um, XG of 4.92. I think that just shows you we're not giving up high quality chances, but we are. We're almost shooting ourselves in the foot with the, with the chances we are giving away. I think it's one of those situations you look at, like the Sakala challenge yesterday. Like if that falls to any of the Celtic front three, they probably score. I think it's the same with a lot of chances Rangers have missed over the course of those games. You'd expect. Especially Kyogo, if he gets any of those chances that he puts them away, it's just they're clinical. Rangers aren't. Like, obviously, the XG doesn't take into consideration. I don't know how the XG kind of works for, like, what the XG would have been for the like Ben Davis error and the John Sutter error. Like, I don't really know how favourable it is in terms of that, but it's just they're clinical and Rangers aren't. It's really as simple as that. Like, they don't need to create clear-cut excellent chances and they get goals, whereas it seems like Rangers need clear-cut even inside the six-yard box isn't always a guarantee just now, but it seems like Rangers need a lot more clear-cut chances, whereas Celtic take their half chances and that's where the difference is, Canelli. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it all comes back to the fact that we need better players in the final third and we need more clinical players in the final third as well. That would be a big area that we that we look to strengthen. I hope we look to strengthen over the over the summer. Um, I see Reese has stuck his hand up like he's in school. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's pressures. I not having the Zoom functions anymore. But uh, just to back up Guy's point there, as much as media like to make out the Celtic are this high press, relentless, whatever, garbage... Rangers press just as much and get probably, in fact, stats back up. We get more chances from pressing opposition in their half. We get more goal-scoring chances. We've had more shots this season from winning the ball in the final third than Celtic have, but we've scored much less. So, as Kai says, I will just not take our chances. Yeah, I think it's uh, it'll be an interesting one going forward. I think it's um, we do just need... We saw it from Antonio Cholak at the start of the season. All he needed was one sighted goal and one touch and he was scoring goals for us. And I think that probably masked some of the issues we were facing at that time. Um, and I guess thankfully it did at that time or we'd be even further further behind as it stands. Craig, since Michael Beals came in, um, do you think it's fair that he's he's under pressure? He's oh, he's righted the ship almost in terms of we're doing we're we're getting the three points all pretty much every time bar the Aberdeen game against against the other ten teams, which was which was the issue earlier in the season. We have improved against Celtic, albeit it's not we're not winning, so that doesn't ultimately matter. But you're seeing we're seeing signs of improvement. Um he has he's the two signings that he's brought in in the January transfer window and Cantwell and Raskin are both I would I would deem them both as successes. Um he's about to head into his first summer window, which we know is when really 
teams can be overhauled and managers can make can make their real mark. Is it is it fair that he's under pressure? Or is that just part and parcel of being the Rangers manager? Part and parcel of being the Rangers manager. I don't think anyone should be immune to criticism. I think the honeymoon period is probably over for Michael Beale. In saying that, you know, I think he was the cheap option as a manager, which is why I had an issue with you know the higher uppers of the club. Obviously, some actions happened there of late as well. So it tells you that they're uh, trying to make a change. Um, I think he's under pressure, but I think he has the understanding and backing of the majority of the Rangers fans. I think they can see what he's trying to do. But in essence, I said he was a cheap option. He was brought in to get something out of this current group of players that he, he knew most of. And he has, you have to say that that's, that's failed in the most part. Uh, it's not a complete failure. You know, if you were to look at it objectively from the outside in, you know, he's, we were dropping points against the other teams in the league, and now, now we're not. Well, they have a game lately, of course. Um, so he's put that right. I think he's definitely got some good out of some of the players. Two good signings, as you mentioned. There are some positives, but the acid test is against Celtic, let's be honest. And if, like I said in my previous point, if, he, if he's staying at four Celtic defeats, um, you know, we'll see what that does. Um, it's just, it's not great. Uh, but I think it's important that we back Michael Beale because he's showing signs that he is capable of getting it tactically right. Uh, he's showing signs he's capable of identifying a couple of players. Hopefully they can identify more of the same. Um, there's a lot of change required, a lot. And uh, I'm not sure that can happen in, even in one summer transfer window. We just need to back the club, back the manager, and hopefully... You know, we can turn that corner, and that's that's where we start. Start by turning the corner and build from there. I think not great might be the understatement of the century. <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic, Craig. I'm, 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 it's all bubbling under the surface, but I'm trying to keep my keep a level head here. Uh, you're, you're doing well so far, Reese. I'll come. To, I'll read a few comments, and I'll come to you for your your thoughts on them. RFC seventy-two says is under pressure for me. He's got a team. Nowhere near good enough, and we got the, and got them competing and winning games that they weren't before. Has to get his squad next season, then you can judge him. Ross, uh, fellow host, says honeymoon period is definitely over. Craig is spot on. That's you, Craig, not myself. Um, Ross never praises me, which is a which is a which is a bone I've got to put with him. Never, nevertheless, and Chris Cherry coming in here saying his two January signings are by far our best players. Only other one who can lay a serious claim to jersey is Goldson. What do you make of that? Sort of summation of comments recently. Were you in agreement with them? Totally agree with everyone. I think you. I think you can only work with what you've got. Bill said a January window, which is hard enough to do business in, as we've seen, to work with this squad. And I've put it out there on Twitter about 10 times. I don't think Josie Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, Carlo Ancelotti are going to get a tune out of a squad that's filled with Scott Wright, Ryan Jack playing twice a year. You know, you'd, Matondo, Sakala, guys like this, Morelos and Kent, who aren't they bothered at all, you would be very hard-pressed to get anything out of that for any good manager. So for me, nah, the judgment of you starts next season, including the upcoming Old Firm game. For me, if we lose that, pff, it makes no difference. Same amount of changes are needed. Go and win that 3-0, same amount of changes are needed. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I think we'll come on to it towards the end of the podcast. But I think futures 
uh, for, for players. I think futures for the whole squad have already been decided. I don't think what happens between now and the end of the season, bar one or two who have potentially been out injured for for big parts of the season. I don't think um, their I don't think any futures will will change much from from what the the prediction is is now that will happen to them. Kai, we just spoke about Michael Beale and how he has gotten us to turn up and play better against against the other the other 10 teams there's accusations that when it comes to the big games we're, we're not turning up um is that down to M- michael beale is that down to the players or is it down to both i think for at least the last couple of home games he's set up the right way i think the league final maybe definitely didn't set up the way i think fans expected to that game he's tried to go a bit more defensive backfired especially the first half the last two games, I think he's got it tactically spot on. You just there's only so much as a manager you can do. Like the guys have said, it's not it's not his team yet. He's signed two players. There's obviously players left over from when Gerard was there, and people kind of use that to like he knows the players, but that doesn't mean that he wants them because obviously he wasn't making the decisions to bring in. While he was there under Gerard, they might know the players, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're players that he wants. Players he wants to play. So I think I think he's doing the best he can. I think again, like I said yesterday, the biggest thing comes down to what what we're trying to do going forward. I think that's where the biggest issue is for me. Like I thought we pressed really well, kept the ball well when defence had it, tried to shift it forward into midfield. Midfielders were driving forward, but there was no I don't know if it's specifically for the forwards didn't know what they were doing personally, or like the manager doesn't know what to do with them because there was no like I said, no running behind, didn't have a target man for we more lumping it forward. It just got there and broke down, and that's it's kind of more difficult to tell if that's down to the manager or down to the players. Craig, there's a lot of the comments here defending Michael Beale, Buenos John, uh, saying Beale needs to give the players a proper pre-season. I think a lot of the injuries are, are as a result of last pre-season. Ian McPhee says Beale has managed to get a tune out of a team that's well past it's sell by date. Let's wait until next season before forming an opinion. I think he's got the goodwill of the fans here. Would you? The general feeling I get, and I think I think Kai kind of alluded to it a wee bit there, is that it's really in the big games. It's it's the players that aren't turning up, and it's that is their mentality that's that's a question, and not how they're set up as such. Yeah, no, I think I think he does have the goodwill of the fans, but I think you know. This season's been a disaster, right? There's no getting away from that. You can where do you start when you start to analyze this season? Um, but Michael Beale is trying his best. I think we can see that. A couple of red flags. I think maybe these substitutions have certainly raised an eyebrow or two. Maybe the timing of them. Uh, you know, he hooks Ryan Kent at halftime. I think rightfully so. Um, and then Alfredo Morelos is allowed to stay on until eighty-two minutes. So. There's still question marks, but he is a still, he's, he's not been a manager long, right? He's been a first team coach before he became a manager recently, QPR than us. So I think Michael Beals is good uh, a manager as we can get at this point in time. I, I'd love to have, was Michael Beal my first choice? Probably not. Um, in fact, I can categorically say he wasn't, but I'm not, I don't really have an ear to the ground of what's realistic at this point in time. Um, I think uh, Michael Beale is a good coach. I think he's can, he can get a tune out of the players. There's no doubt about that.
Um, but when when the defeats take, you know, especially you know when the honeymoon period is over, I don't think anybody's immune to to, to criticism. I think collectively as a club, we have to take it on the chin. Trying to identify what the issues are and move forward. Um, that's the eternal optimist um, point of view, but we'll see. He's, he's, he's going to be here regardless of opinion at this point in time. Even if he does get beat in the next Old Firm game, I still believe he'll be here to, to oversee the, the. I think the, the summer rebuild is already underway, right? I think he's already identified who he wants and he's trying to get business done very early. So I, I think it would be foolish of us not to carry out that project um, as it's already well underway. So regardless of opinion, I think we all need to get behind the manager, get behind the team. We can take solace in the fact that there will be somewhat of a rebuild um, and we go forward. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I just want to bring in this comment from uh, M Ward, Reese, and I'll get you to comment on it. Do we all forget 95% of this team went on a European run? They can't become that shite in two seasons, to be honest. It's down to fitness. Um, I don't know I don't know what that's supposed to say. Um, well, effectively, summing up what are our medical team doing. I think it's interesting when you look back 12 months ago, just just under 12 months ago, was, was that night against Leipzig at Ibrox and and how amazing that was for for us all for us to to be in this position twelve months on is 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 surprising I think at, at the very least and it's um it's it's just it's shocking at, at the worst. Where do you do you think people forget about that? And do you think obviously goodwill only lasts you so long, especially at a club at, at Rangers? What what do you think people's do you think people just forget that that was so recent just because of how this season's been? I don't know. I, I I think it's hard to go back to it. I think you've got to let go of it. I think Calvin Bassey bailed that team out on multiple occasions. McGregor was a year younger. Barisic is playing full of confidence. And I, to be honest, I think the the batterings under Gio have definitely taken their toll on this squad. The confidence has zapped out the team. I think the biggest difference in our playing styles the weight of pass. Nobody's confident playing a pass. It's almost like right, I'll hit it, and then you've got that two seconds to think. Like you've just there's an extra second taking in decision making. Nobody's doing it with any like self assurance. And I think the three 0 defeat to Celtic last season, getting beat at Ibrox last season at home, you know, and that kind of title decider, I suppose it was, the Champions League battering definitely have always zapped the confidence right out of this team. Especially when you're losing Calvin Bassey, who man of the match in your Scottish Cup final last year and man of the match in the semi-final against them last year. And I, I think he man of the match in the Europa League final. It's massive. The squad's just nowhere near what it was last season. And for me, we need to like what last season. We, we ran it, got to the final, didn't win it. And then won the Scottish Cup, which has probably been the most over-celebrated Scottish Cup in our history. I, I was actually going to say it's one of the most under-celebrated Scottish Cups in our history. I know lots of people that people didn't, didn't go to the game because they were so scunnered by how civil went. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's an interesting one. It's one that I guess has always been been spoken about this season because it was the only trophy we won last year, albeit that we did go on that European run. But I think, um, I think ultimately, again, we were we were we were hoping for a Scottish Cup again this year to kind of rescue this season, and it's not worked out. And really, I think that's forced us, really forced us back to back to the drawing board. And our summer starts now. 
if we're if we're brutally honest, Craig mentioned that Michael Beale's already been been speaking to to players. Michael Beale said in press conferences a couple of weeks ago that he's he's met face to face with some players. There was there's rumours that that was uh, Jack Butland, um, the goalkeeper that's uh, on loan at Manchester United just now, and there was also rumours that it was Kieran Dow, the Norwich City midfielder as well, who was available on a free contract in the, in the summer. So it'd be interesting to see how how they uh, play out. But I think um, just to round up that point, Joe Ninety says, I think we've all, all been asleep while our expectations have inched ever downwards. Always say it's not a fan's job to be sensible, but drive ambition. I think that's a discussion that's been going on, on social media quite a lot today. And it, it tends to be drawn against the lines. And I think unfairly drawn against the lines of young people versus old people. Um, so people that that, um, that were around uh, in the 90s and, and going to games versus people who who grew up in the, the 2000s and 2010s um, and the difference in expectations that they have as Rangers fans. I think there's, I think there are, there are some differences if, if we're honest, I think um, it's, it's probably a full podcast in itself if we try and, if we try and get into it. But I think there's a, there's a real mix at the moment amongst, amongst Rangers fans of, of what's realistic. Um, but, I think we all agree that we want to drive standards high and and winning trophies is where, is where is where Rangers should be and should always be, um, and we're not quite there yet. So we we need to fix it. Kai, I want to come to you. We're now six months into Michael Beale's reign as Rangers manager. We've spoken a bit about the fact he's he's brought in two players so far. Um, I, I I imagine there'll be a lot coming through in the summer. Do you think we understand Michael Beale's tactical approach and how he wants the team to play on a game-by-game basis? I was having a think about that. I think we know how he's going to set up in old firm games. But outside of that, as a as a general principle, do you think we we know how Michael Beale wants us to play? I think obviously with the high press, he likes players to play the passes through the lines. I think that's clear, especially players like Cantwell and Raskin coming in are good at doing that. He likes the centre-halves doing that. Obviously, Davis does it really well. Golton also does it, same with Suter. So he likes the passes going through the lines. He likes players to kind of take the ball. But when it gets to the front three, like I said yesterday, I'm not really sure what the plan is. So I think at times we still resort to not as much as 50 crosses into the box per game, but... There were times yesterday where it was just constantly getting whipped into the box and we don't really have an aerial threat. Like, Morelos puts himself about, he'll win some headers, but I wouldn't say he's great in there. So I feel like the build-up is a lot better, like playing through the defence, playing through the midfield, but as soon as it gets to the front three, unless Kent's going a maze run inside and trying to get a pass away or Sakala's driving to the line, I still don't think there's... Can kind of anything set there and what the plan is? Is it to play into the box and try and get a shot away? Is it to just go away, get to the byline whip across in? Or again, is it to pass back to the fullback and just keep putting balls into the box and try and put the pressure on and get a chance? I think that's where it's unclear. I think it's clear what he wants up until it gets to the forwards and then that's where it kind of drifts away from me. There doesn't seem to be a plan when they kind of get on the ball. Yeah, Craig, my next question, my kind of follow-up to that to you was going to be, is he actually just hamstrung by the players that he that he has? And is he kind of trying to play a system that, that works for them? Joe Ninety came into the comments just as Kai was speaking there, saying listen to a bunch of his podcasts, etc., on tactics. And he does have principles, pitch small, half spaces, etc., but emphasised how much you have to adapt 
to your players most of the time. Do you think actually we might see a, a different approach next year from, from Rangers and Michael Beale when they've got time to, to work on it over the summer and the squad refresh? Yeah, possibly. Um, I think Reese already touched on it earlier. The confidence is not there. But after confidence, uh, that plays into your mentality going into these games. Um, but ultimately, it's the lack of quality at the end of the day. We're conceding, can't score the front. It's layman's terms, that's it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think I, I'm not going to question Michael Beale tactically at all. I think we've heard lots of uh, big figures. You know, I think it was an interview with the, the Argentina and Villa goalie that was, you know, waxing lyrical about Bill's knowledge on the game and how he was really, you know, the one speaking directly to the players, giving instructions, man management, etc. And it was very impressive. Uh, I think Bill's demonstrated that. Um, so he's, he, he, give him his preseason. Let him, let him have the transfer window and. Uh, we have to look at the positives because um, there's so much other change happening at the club right now with the chairman, uh, the chief exec being changed out. Um, we can't just get rid of everything. As much as I think I crossed 18 players out on, on my squad list yesterday, probably three or four out of pure anger. Um, that's not realistic, though, is it? Um, you know, I think we heard in the press comms a dozen yesterday, so we'll see what the numbers are. But um, I think Beal's a good constant to have right now. We could do a lot worse, so we should get behind them. And uh, hopefully there's better days ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come on to that just now, I think. And Reese, I'm going to start with you. I don't know why I'm going to start with you, but I'm going to start start with you and give you, give you free reign on this one. Um, I think we'll... We'll probably take it, um, there's four of us in this podcast, there's broadly four areas of the team in terms of goalkeeper, defender, uh, defenders, midfielders and strikers. I'll take the goalkeepers because that's the easy one and give you a lot the, the, the difficult <laughs> ones. Um, but I just wanted to give it some context, I guess, in terms of the, the kind of how Michael Beale has led into and, and what impression Michael Beale has given the fans of his thoughts on the squad during his time. Fairly early on, he started with it's not as broken as some folk might think. Um, about four or five weeks ago, he said, no, we need four or five players in. And then yesterday, he said it will be the biggest ever rebuild. What do you what do you make of that progression and what insight do you think that gives us to how, how Michael Beale has seen the squad over the last few few months? I think he's just maybe come across them going, right, it's the same group of players I've had. You know, it can't be that much worse. Maybe it's just confidence, whatever. A few months in, he's going, actually, it's a lack of quality. He's maybe seen them training every day, 11 v 11, and gone, mm, nah, I think there's maybe more needed here than I initially thought. Because if you look at, I don't know, maybe the results against Celtic, sometimes the points table, um, just overall results for the start of the year. You know, Aberdeen aside, we hadn't lost any games outside the old firm. Under Beal, that is anyway. But maybe that was what made them think, ah, it's not actually that bad. We've only got a few tweaks to make. And the more that he's seen them, he's gone, actually, this is miles below my stand-up. But I think there is a lot to be done. And if you were to take goalkeepers, I'll take the hit and go midfielders or so. And I'd instantly go, had you, if you can get a decent bid from Selim, offer Bo, nobody knows. Stephen Davis, I think, retire. 
Ryan Jack, one year extension, but probably pays you play. Arfield, I think, takes the Davis role in the squad in terms of minutes. Like he's there just kind of for standards more than anything else. Lundstrom takes Arfield's playing time on the bench and we get somebody in to start there. Kamara, definitely sell, uninterested, unused, and just depreciating in value as we speak. So, I get rid. Yeah, you started with the midfield there, which um, I guess is the the hot topic area. We saw yesterday, we complimented them at the start of the, the podcast as being potentially the only positive to come out of that. I think next year, Reese, I would probably see um, Raskin and Cantwell as the two the two definites for our midfield next year. Arguments that Tillman could fit in there, I actually doubt if we'll actually sign Tillman now, which is which is a big departure from where I was four or five weeks ago. I was I was dead set on signing, um, I was dead set on signing, signing Malik Tillman a few weeks ago. Now, when we look at the kind of bigger picture, cold light of day, I'm thinking, is it worth five million pounds? Does the offer is enough? from what we need from that kind of player. Yes, we'd make a profit on him. I have no doubts on that one, but really we need to be looking at performances on the pitch rather than rather than what's going to, what, how much money we're going to get in two or three years' time. And I understand that's partly the, the club model as well. Do, do you, I think the midfield needs a, a full refresh going by what, what you what you say. Do you, do you imagine there'll be a, a third player coming in there, potentially even Tom Lawrence coming in once he's fit, coming in as, as that third position? I hope so, but I think Lawrence maybe fits in the same mould as Hadji as well. Like he had a few good games at the start of the season, but we've not seen much of him since. He really has, and this is of no like it's not his own doing. But that injury's put him right in the same bracket as Kamar Roof, Ryan Jack, and Yanis Hadji. Good player to have. I possibly great squad player. Maybe starting could be great, but you just don't know. It's a bit like. Saying how how good would Monday night football be if Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher only appeared on it three times a year? Do you know what I mean? Week to week you wouldn't be doing well. Week to week nobody'd be interested, be rotten. So if it's only if he's only good to have when he's been there and he's never there, then who knows? But I think you've just got to give him the time to come back and prove himself. Hadji, on the other hand, I think even at his peak, probably isn't where Lawrence was at the start of the season, so I'd get rid of him a, like, a lot quicker than what I would Tom Lawrence. But with Kieran Dowell coming in, you just start to wonder, the midfield getting a bit packed, so I'd ship quite a few out and invest in quality in other areas before anything else. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'll be, we'll see the vast majority of our midfielders currently in the squad um, here next season. If we, if we are honest, I think there'll be significant changes in that area of the pitch. Kai, I'll come to you for a, a defensive perspective. I think, I, I guess, I, I was coming into these last three, four months of the season thinking actually the defence is the least of our worries. I would probably keep most of them if I'm honest, because we can spend money elsewhere that would, that would really benefit the team, particularly up front. I think Borna Barisic's time at Rangers, I've not, not been quiet on this one, I think Borna Barisic's time at Rangers is coming to an end. I, th- I think we'll hopefully see Red Van Yilmaz come in for the last five games of the season so we get a chance to see what he's, what he's all about. I think the one that's really interested me and come out a bit left field 
recently has been um, the criticism of Ben Davies. It's kind of um, come from that um, that old firm game at Celtic Park a few weeks ago, and he didn't have he didn't have I think he had three games without Connor Golson beside him, and he made a mistake in every single one. Um, I thought he did okay yesterday. If I'm if I'm being honest, I don't don't think he was by, by any stretch of the imagination bad. But there were some rumours circulating on social media that he might actually be on his way out the door in the summer. How, where do you think the defence will sit in terms of, of who we've already got in the squad and, and who will be who'll be making their way out the door in the summer? You probably get the least amount of change in the defence. Obviously, Hellander's contract's up, so that's presumably a decent wage considering they came from Serie A. That would be a decent wage away. But I think the thing with Ben Davis, like I'm not saying I would sell him, I wouldn't get rid of him because of those tough couple of games they had without goals. And I do still think he's a good player, but I think with the price you're paying, I think he was, what, 27 when he came in? I'm not sure if he's still 27, but if you can get four or five million back at this stage, it's probably a decent deal. Or do you keep him through the length of his contract? You let him go for free and only take him for a couple of million. I think that's kind of where we need to look at it just in a completely business sense. I do think he's a good footballer. I do personally prefer John Suter, but again, can he play on the left-hand side? People always go back to that Livingston game. Start of the season, like his first game for the club, I think that's a bit of a harsh judgment to automatically say he can't play on the left-hand side. You obviously get a bit better balance with the left footer playing there, but I don't think it's fair to write Suter off from that position, just because... He had a tough debut away at Livingston, which, I mean, a lot of players have tough days away at Livingston. But I think left-back's really interesting. If we don't see Yilmaz for the rest of the season, then I think that's a massive indicator that Beal kind of doesn't fancy him. And I think he could potentially be away if any bids come. I mean, there's obviously always rumours that Besiktas, Fernabachi, Galatasaray are interested in taking him back to Turkey. So I think if Beal doesn't use the last games of the season to see what he's made of, it's kind of nails in the coffin for his Rangers career. And he probably goes probably goes back to Turkey. But again, then you probably keep Barisic and you're looking to bring someone else in. But I think that's the only really changes I could see happening. If Davis goes out, someone probably comes in. And again, if Yilmaz goes, probably bring someone back in there. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really interesting this summer, to be honest, because we know the squad is already bloated. We know that the um, a lot of the players in there are on quite high wages. If we are, if we're brutally honest, especially guys like Kent and Morelos, who who definitely look to be on their way out the door. Boy knows John saying that um, some of the other podcasts were talking about one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand pounds a week in wages going out the going out the door in the summer, which seems quite high. To me, um, if we're honest, um, and we know there'll be replacements coming in in there as well. Craig, what do you make of that? I think the left-back squat and potentially both full-back squats are up for up for discussion. I think James Tavernier will be there next season. I think he'll be a starter next season. Do you think that left-back squat will be will be the one of the key ones? Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um we, we can all have our opinions. Uh, I know I certainly do. Um, I thought you were going to skip me on the defence, and I was, was going to thank you for it, for not being a bloodbath. But for me, I'd change out both fullbacks, and, and I would also hand the captaincy to Connor Goldson. Um, shock horror, if anyone didn't know my opinion on uh, captains. 
defensive performances. Um, but it's going to be interesting because there's everyone's opinion, like my own, and then there's you know what the manager's going to decide, and he you know stops buck stops with Michael Beale. So uh, I know it's cost uh, defensive errors have cost a few managers their jobs, uh, a couple of managers their jobs already. So is Beale going to be another one in that line? Time will tell. Maybe he can put it right. Um, certainly got it right. Fifty-five season defensively. Um, keep the zero was Geo's way of trying to continue that philosophy. That quickly went out the window. But I think uh, you, know, you build from the back. Tight yesterday, wasn't it? So tight. Um, one goal decider. I think both teams had chances, but you can just see our defensive frailties. Um, you know, and going to Ben Davis. You know, I think. Maybe a bit harsh. I think maybe the price tag and wages associated with Ben Davis brings that. Um, is he any worse than a defensive pairing that Goldson's had over the years, whether it be Balogun or Hollander or whatever? Maybe Hollander's a bit higher quality. But anyone else that's been in there with him, I think Ben Davis is as good as. You know, he made a mistake at Parkhead. What's his. Players have made mistakes in the past. And I would uh, so obviously keep Connor Goldson, and, and and that's it. Maybe obviously the boy King. But in terms of defence, I think we need to make changes. Uh, certainly left back. That's obvious. I don't even know if Redvan's going to do. He needs a chance, but I think we bring another left back in certainly as well. Looked really young, didn't he? He looked like he's boy in a man's game at times, and that's coming from you. <laughs> Uh, me, my brother and I were talking about it, watching the City game, and and you know it's just full of monsters, aren't they? And we've got you know Raskin and Redvan cutting about, you know, absolute midgets. I'd like to see some more physical presence in our team. Um, you know, I think we lack that massively. I think Lawrence brought a bit of that aggression. I'd like to see more of that. You know, so I'd like to see more physical presence in our team. I think Ridvan's an interesting one because I've been desperate to see more of him. If you come with that that price tag, you come with with it, the praise of everyone at a club like Besiktas. You're not you're not a mug by any any stretch of the imagination, and is is a kind of um, atmosphere as well. I think that coming from that kind of city where it's so intense with our football, the fans are so are so intense. You think he'll handle the. The, the Glasgow fishbowl, as as the the phrase goes, he'll handle that absolutely, absolutely fine. I think he, in theory, he should have something to offer us. It's just we've not seen it yet, and it's really that's why I think that this last five games of the of the season is so important for him. And and the the good thing for us, I guess, is that he's been tested against other top six sides. It's not like we've got a run in where we're facing teams at the bottom of the league all the time. It's against other top six sides, which should give a real a real view of of where he stands in terms of quality and what he can what he can offer us going forward. I really hope he's the answer. I'm not convinced, like you, Craig. I'm not convinced he will be. Um, let's cover the goalkeepers quickly. I think Al McGregor's on his way out. John McLaughlin might stay if he if he's happy being a number two. If we're honest, he might want to play some football. So he's neither here nor there. Uh, Robbie McCrory, I'd be surprised if he didn't get some game time going towards the end of the season but I think he's on his way out the door as well if I'm brutally honest so I think it'll be John McLaughlin plus plus a starting goalkeeper coming in the summer and then um, and then I just a third choice keeper whether that's a youth keeper or not I'm not I'm not fully sure Reese will start on the 
the strikers or the forwards um, with you at the moment. I think it's wholesale changes there again. And I guess part of it comes down to how can we afford to make as many changes as we as we want to see and how I know we want to disrupt the apple cart in terms of rip all up and start again and um, in, te- in terms of resetting the mentality and, and all of that sort of stuff. But when you make so many changes, it can sometimes lead to, to disharmony, particularly at the start of the season when everyone's trying to find their feet and get to know each other. Is it is 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 that a risk? Do you think, and and where do you think the the, the key ones in the in the forward areas are going to be? Morelos is going, Kent's going, Kent's going. Um, I'd be surprised if Fashion Sakala was anything more than a, a bit part player next season. I can't see Hadji sticking around given the lack of game time he's been getting. Rabi Matondo, the jury's out on that one. Antonio Cholak is good. I think he's good as a second choice striker, not as a starting striker. Where do you? How do you see that that sort of forward area shaping up? Without any irony, I don't think Giannis Hadji's got a leg to stand on when it comes to complaining about game time. I think he's if you're out that long with an injury, it's only natural and you need to accept you're not going to walk into the team again. Um, Cholak, I think, is good enough. Sakala, got to go. Only really decent if we were to play an athletics game. He's a strong runner, but on the ball, there's nothing there. Um, Morelos and Kent are away I think with regards to where we find them funds or how we're going to finance it and stuff we've no other choice Morelos and Kent are away they're out the door there's guys there that aren't good enough I think you've no other choice other than to spend big and try and reinvest in the squad Cholak I reckon starts and I'm the world's worst for especially see when it comes to building that as well I always say like Try and be solution driven rather than try to focus on a problem. Like, if people are saying, I get Beal out, then who are you bringing in? Realistically, I wouldn't just point to an issue without having a solution for it. But fine, well, I know that we've got a striker problem this summer, but I don't really know who I'd bring in. That's probably the market I don't really have an eye on. So, a lot of players wouldn't translate well and stuff. So, big changes are needed. Left wing striker, that's where you either win or lose a league. You've seen it with Celtic. Yeah, we've not had a striker that scored enough goals. We've not had a left winger that scores enough goals from that that area either. But especially a striker, Alfredo Morelos, continuously has, has scored sort of twelve to fifteen goals a season. In some seasons, those those have been much more important than others. But it's, it's nowhere near enough for what you need from a starting Rangers Rangers striker. You see across the city what numbers they're getting, they're getting from their strikers and their wingers, and we need to be able to keep up with that, and we should be able to keep up with that. Um, so I think there, that's a, a major area for the summer, and I imagine it's where the vast majority of our money will be will be will be spent in the summer as well. It's where. Um, it's where the most expensive players tend to tend to be um, in terms of. That that end of the pitch tends to be more lucrative than than the other end of the pitch, particularly goalkeepers. It's interesting that we've um, potentially lined up a goalkeeper on a on a free transfer and, and a midfielder as well. That kind of gives us um, gives us money to to play with elsewhere. Kai, I think a lot of it comes to and Reese touched on it there because I, I I mentioned it about how do we how do we fund it or how do we invest in the team. I guess some I guess a lot of it comes down to who can we offload. For money, um, I think last year we saw 
the likes of Bassi going, we saw Joe Aribo going, we're getting big fees. I don't think we'll see that this year around big fees, but I think the the one million, two million, three million pound transfers will they all add up at the end of the day. And I think that's where we'll we'll be able to start to build out build out the squad. But ultimately we need people to be interested in those players before we can before we can offload them. And that's kind of where my point on Davis comes in. Like if you could get four or five million, I'm not sure you can kind of turn that down considering like profile of the player that he is. But again, like as much as many people would love to see Sakala go and kind of in the same camp after yesterday, you need you do need bidders. There's obviously reported interest in the championship for Scott Wright. I don't know how much that's kind of talking. I think you're lucky to get 500k a million there probably. Like that's think that's realistic in what you're getting in return for Scott Wright. Hadji again, three million I think was quoted from Celta Vigo. They were apparently interested in. I think if you can get that, potentially put a decent selling sell on clause in there because he is. I think if you can get to the kind of form he was in the 55 season, there is a good player in there, type of player that could probably thrive in another league and then get a big move after going there. So again, probably take that. But I think there's obviously been a lot of complaints in social media about the free transfer we're looking at just now. Well, that's that's one of the players that Bill's allowed to talk to, like players in the last six months of their contract. Like he can't speak to anyone else. So I think these are the type of players he needs to be speaking to just now. And there needs to be free transfers in the summer. Like there's, we need a lot of players in, like probably double figures and players in. And there is no chance the club have the finances for to bring in 12 like kind of 10 to 12, one, two, three million pound players. So you need to bring in these players on a free, like I think Butland, smart signing. Dow, again, he's had he's out with an injury just now, which isn't ideal. But he's a player Norwich fans seem to be pretty upset about losing, especially on a free transfer. So these these are really smart deals, obviously like they're asking the Cantwell ones as well, like their contracts were expiring, they were cheap fees. So obviously not kind of the same in the summer because players would have a full year left on their deal. So there's a chance they could sign on. So you're not going to get deals as cheap as that for that kind of quality of player. So free transfers are something we need to look at. And it's something I think fans need to accept. Because like you say, we're not going to get Bassey or Aribo or Nathan Patterson money for anyone that's in the squad currently. Or that we're ready to sell just now. Yeah, before I talk about some of the um, some of the names being put forward for strikers in, in the comments, there was a Celtic fan came into the comments there and just so everyone knows, you actually have to be subscribed to the channel to comment. So it's um, it's really interesting to to know that that, that, that was the case. But we'll, we welcome everyone along here at TII. Um, some of the names that have been mentioned, I've seen uh, Warren Shankland, Kevin Nisbet, Josh Madja. Do any of those players excite you at all, Craig? No. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think uh, it was breaking news when I was on the one where Tommy and Scott wasn't uh, with their interest in Shankland. Oh, not for me. I don't think so. I think uh, it's easy to dismiss. I get that. But if you, I wouldn't be bringing Shankland in for a main striker. And I think we've already discussed that Cholak's there as a secondary striker. I think I agree with you, Craig on that so no uh, I don't know I'm, thankfully I'm not Michael Beale because it's a hard task isn't it um, I, from where I'm sat you know when you say you know Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos they're going out the door 
on paper, those are huge names. They've done a lot for the club. It's a shame this is the end of the road for them. They depart the way they do. Um, but they're big, big players, right? They were potential big money targets uh, along the way. That's a, that's a Ross Wilson issue. But lately, especially this season, they might as well not be there. So it's not like we're in any different a place when they go out the door. <laughs> uh, you know, if we can place them with the same kind of freshness as Campbell and Raskin, great, because we need fresh ideas and we need people to start producing and scoring goals up front. So we'll see what happens. Uh, am I excited by those names, though? No, not, not really. Um, in terms of the forwards, so I, I took screenshots of the squad list yesterday. So I've got, as forwards on the official uh, website, is Cholak, Lawrence, Kent, Morelos, Roof, and Fashion. Um, interesting, Lawrence, he's kind of, he can be midfield striker, but uh, I only have Cholak and Lawrence left. So I've got Kent, Morelos, Roof, and Fashion crossed out. So I think you're right. That's where we need to invest. Uh, I think that's where the expensive players are. But we need... We need some quality in the door. Hopefully, Michael Beale's got a, a trick or two up his sleeve. But um, I think in terms, just I know I'm rambling on here, but I think in terms of the, the caliber of player that we're in the market for is probably similar to what Celtic are. I think they can probably bring volume in. Um, but in terms of identifying a caliber of player, I think we're competing in the same market there. You know, game's so tight. It's on the knife edge yesterday. So over to you, Michael Beale, to bring in what's required. No easy task. Absolutely, and we need to hit the ground running as well. We'll finish off the striker discussion and please put your thoughts in the chat in terms of who you like as a potential starting striker for Rangers next season and how you how you see, I think generally as we'll see as ourselves with three strikers plus a Kamar Roof who'll be he'll play one or two games as well, um, making up the four strikers. In that, uh, Ross said I'd say we need three number nines next season. He'd like Cholak and Nisbet to be two of them. Sizable fee spent on the other one as a first-choice striker. I think I would be very surprised if Kevin Nisbet is coming to Rangers as a third-choice striker, if I'm being honest. And I'd be very surprised if we were spending the money that it would take to get Kevin Nisbet to Rangers to make him our third-choice striker. So I don't don't quite see that one happening, but send in your, send in your thoughts on who... Who the strikers or the, the lineup of four strikers would be. Final question before we start to, to round up the podcast. We're nearing the, the hour mark. Reese, I'm going to come to you on this one in terms of five games left. Who would you play in these games? I've seen many people say that the likes of so, the, the likes of um Ryan Kent, who I look like or look increasingly like they're leaving um the, the club at the end of the season. They they shouldn't play anymore minutes for us and we should be focusing on players who are going to be here next season do, do you agree with that i think for a start um and it should have happened long before now if it's not happened already bill references a lot of conversations and chats he's had with them like i'd sit them down in the room lock the door and be like are you staying or no give me a one word answer yes or no depending on that is the exact decision you take whether either of them play another minute for now at the end of the season, all farm games included. I think there's players who could come in and replace the quality they've gave us this season as well, as Craig says. Cholak and Fumarellos, whether he's got one leg or no, and Matondo on the left for Kent, if need be, if you know, with nobody else that can play out there without taking Sakala out as well. Um, I would definitely go with the same as RSC says, King probably throw him in for a few games 
I definitely want to see McCrory there. I'd get rid of John McLaughlin for Victor Johansson in the summer as well. And pff, Robbie McCrory, Leon King. I don't think Lowry, to be honest with you. Um, boy's going through a bit of a tough time recently. It might be good to give him some minutes, but I just don't know that he's up to the right standard yet physically. Uh, Matondo and Fulcicata are 100%, and I think we need to get a bit of momentum in the legs of Cholak. Yeah, I don't think you bring Leon King in, if I'm brutally honest. I think you you try and, it might well be the time that you try and cement the partnership between um, Goldson and Suter, if, if that's where we're going to go in terms of if Davies is going to, going to go out the door. I think they've not had much game time together, those two, so this is five games against kind of the best opposition that we're going to face in the league. Um, so give them those five games, get give them that confidence going forward, hopefully, and, and take it from there. Um, Terry Monroe says Matondo five games to show something or offload because I don't see a Rangers player in there. I think that's fair. I think I think the same count. I think Rabi Matondo, um, Yilmaz, and uh, Yanis Hadji are all in, in that boat. If I'm honest, in terms of they need to prove themselves in these next five games and either how they play or or the fact that they don't play play at all will be very telling in terms of what of what their Rangers futures look like. Kai, are you in agreement that you wouldn't be playing the likes of Kent or Morelos going forward for the rest of the season? Love the decisions from already been made. I'd be very surprised if they hadn't already told the club that they were leaving. I'd honestly be absolutely shocked if they stayed at the club. I think that's already been decided. I think they're going. I think kind of their attitude towards the game yesterday shows that, and they shouldn't get any more minutes towards the end of the season. I think the Thunders looked bright the last couple of games he's came on. Against well, St Mirren, Aberdeen, and even yesterday, again plenty of pace in behind. Managed to pick out a couple of decent passes yesterday, so I think he deserves a chance to show what he's got. Hadji obviously didn't really have much time to do anything when he came on. I don't even know what the formation kind of went to at that point. I don't know who was playing where. So I think if you can get him in, I don't again don't know where Bill sees him playing. Ideally, if it's off the right in the 10 as an 8. So I think he kind of deserves a chance after he's injured to show what he's got. I'd agree with Suter coming in. Like, again, I'm not on... I think, obviously, Davis has had his critics recently, but it depends on what the manager wants to do going forward. Obviously, Suter's not had the minutes he would have had if he didn't have the injury. King kind of took a lot of those minutes. So I think it's time to give Suter the minutes in there. I'd say that earlier on, if Yilmaz doesn't get a run of games here, it's obvious the manager doesn't fancy him. He'd be out the door. I still think I'd be, be very surprised if it was anything like, obviously, the Harps game in the last season. For a lot of the B team, boys kind of got a chance. I'd be very surprised if there was a lot put in there. I think you maybe see Lovelace on the bench getting a few minutes here and there, but I don't really see much of the young guys getting minutes. I think it's more of the fringe players to see if they still have a place here. And if nothing else, if he doesn't fancy them, it's a chance for them to put themselves in the shop window as well. Yeah, I think that I'd have to agree with that if I'm honest. And I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how, how they shape up and it'll be really interesting to see Rangers fans' reactions to it as well because we're, we won't be playing our strongest team for these last five games. And even when we are playing our strongest team, these games can be tricky. So it'll be interesting to see Rangers fans' reaction if the results start to tail off a little bit as well. I think it's probably between a rock and a hard place for Michael Beale on, on that one. He's trying to figure everything out. And we may well have to 
to see us dropping some points if we're going to try it, if we're going to give them the chance to figure it out. But none of us want that and none of us like that. And I see every one of us um, absolutely raging at the thought of that. So <laughs> it's interesting to see if it actually happens, how that will go. I think we'll round off there. Uh, Kai, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure as always, mate. Thank you. Reese. thanks very much to yourself. Cheers, mate. Enjoy that. And Craig, thank you very much to yourself as well. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having us. Much, uh, much appreciated. As always, thanks very much, everyone, to listening. Please, if you've enjoyed the content tonight or any of our other content, like the video, subscribe to the TII YouTube channel and toggle on those notifications so you get a, an email every single time we go live. In terms of what we've got coming up, Kyle will be back with the team on Wednesday night um, before Ross is back with the preview for the Aberdeen game on Sunday, later in the week, probably Friday morning. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.